Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Impossible, Part 5, Ministry 101, recorded Sunday, April 24th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Despite the complex and often overwhelming magnitude of spiritual and physical poverties, we know there is a solution. The answer is Jesus, and that is why there is hope. In the early 1990s, Mary Kumau, a recent college graduate active in her faith, visited Mathari Valley, one of the oldest slums in Nairobi, Kenya. What she saw transformed her life forever. Mary had never seen such extreme poverty. She couldn't understand how people could live in such unhealthy and dangerous conditions. But what shocked her even more was that it appeared that no one was stepping in to help. In that moment, the Holy Spirit began His work, lighting a fire in Mary's heart and calling her to God's will. Mary, along with her husband Wallace, quickly realized that while the people of Mathari Valley were hungry for the word of Christ, they also needed a way to meet their most basic needs. The two were joined by a board of directors and the local community to begin building what would later be known as Missions of Hope International, opening their first Christian school for 50 kindergarten students in the year 2000. Over the years, God has blessed the ministry with rapid growth. Through partnerships with churches and supporters worldwide, Missions of Hope International, or MOHI, has grown from an individual calling to a global ministry, serving over 20,000 children and their families in over 25 communities, changing the landscape of opportunity in poverty-stricken areas, and transforming lives through the hope of Christ. Today, as a leader in holistic ministry, MOHI provides a wide variety of integrated programs that seek to educate, empower, restore, and redeem whole communities for Christ, creating hope not only for today, but for eternity. Good morning. Would you welcome Wallace and Mary with us this morning? Yes. You know, this is your third time here. You almost have to get a residence here. You've been here so often. And uh, that means your family, and we thank you for being with us. And how about your family? What's going on with your family? And just give us some personal ideas about what's going on in your life. Yeah, thank you so much. And we really appreciate our partnership with that, uh, that City Christian Church. Our family are all doing well. God has blessed us with uh, four of our own children. Uh, our firstborn is 25. Uh, she's Imani, and uh, she's working with us. Uh, in Missions of Hope International. Uh, and uh, our 22-year-old son uh, is just graduating this coming June in Portland State University in Oregon. And uh, we have uh, a, third, a third son uh, who is uh, a ninth grader. He's 16 years. And uh, our youngest is 14. And uh, she's a foster child that uh, we are taking care of. So big things happening. You have a son that's uh, getting his master's degree, and I think you have a milestone coming up uh, this year too. What's going on with your education? Uh, yes, I'm so thankful to God. On May 5th, I'll be graduating with my PhD from George Fox University in Oregon. Congratulations. That's big, big event. You know, today we've been in the book of Mark through the course of 2022. We've been teaching from the book of Mark, and today we're talking about how the church goes out and offers hope and res restoration uh, to, to the world. And uh, we've been in investing in a church site 
that we hope that will take that message forth. How's the church doing that's been planted in Karabangi? Yes, uh, since 2018, we started a partnership with Third City Christian Church in one of the slum communities in Nairobi called Kariobangi. And uh, it is amazing what God is doing in that community. This community didn't have a school, didn't have a church plant, and so they kept asking whether Missions of Hope could consider starting a school there and a church there. I mean, it's, it's rare to have a community ask for a church plant, but this happened. And so when uh, Pastor Scott and others came on a vision trip to see Missions of Hope, uh, we took them to this community and God spoke to them about partnering with us in this community. And uh, over the last uh, about three and a half years, uh, this school has now grown to 452 children. Uh, and we have uh, also a church plant, Pastor Eric and his wife Grace are pastoring the church there. And the church is growing and uh, very uh, much alive in that community. And Two things did not exist until 2018 at that location, a church and a school, and we're really excited about that. Now, um, I think facilities are always a challenge for you, but right now you said there's over 400 students, but they don't have a church building. What's happening with, with church buildings, and what, or excuse me, a school building? What's happening with school buildings, and how, how do you see that working out in the near future for, for a school building? Uh, yeah, right now the children are actually using some of the facilities that belong to the Mohi Technical Training Institute that is out there in Kariobangi. And um, uh, this church also helped us to acquire some plots of land that also had uh, old buildings which we refurbished. And uh, so those are serving as some of the classes. And for the group that is joining uh, tomorrow on Monday uh, in our preschool, we actually have put up some temporary structures. But you're looking forward to putting up a, a permanent structure, which will be a high-rise building. And uh, it you have 19 classrooms and other facilities. And so we are trusting God to get money to put up that school so that they can be in their own permanent building. One of the exciting things that's happened recently here is a generous family has said, we want to put forth a challenge gift of, of $50,000 for the purpose of getting that school up. And so I want to throw that challenge out to you if you're so moved and want to give toward that challenge, you know, that challenge that that family's put before us. We'd love to have that generosity come their way. And so if you want to talk to me about that, I'd love to do that with you. Well, of course, everything you do is about moving the gospel forth and, and, and it's about the students. And if, you know, I don't think you're blind today. You see that we have uh, a lot of students represented on, on, on the boards in front of you. There's some in the back wall too. But it is about the students. It's about what you do with the children. And um, I think our third city is sponsoring something like 230, 240 children right now. And uh, later in the service, we're gonna invite people to come in with sponsorship who would like to do so. But I wonder if you could tell uh, our people, when they, when they give $38 a month for a child sponsorship, what, is that, what does that accomplish in that person's life? When you sponsor a child with $38 a month, it means the world to this child. 
and not only the child, but the child provides an entry point to their family, so we are able to reach out to their family and also the community. And uh, I think it would be really nice if we can watch a video of Sistine, one of our students, and hear the story and what has happened in her life and the life of her family. My name is Sistine. I'm 11 years old. I have lived in Madhari Valley my whole life. I was born to be a street girl. We all wish we could go to school, but many kids like me can't afford to go. They don't have much to do. They just stay home. Before I joined Missions of Hope, life was so hard. Sometimes we didn't have enough food to eat. My mom would go on the street to look for food. We could go without food even for a day. One day, my mother told me she found a school for me. I asked, which school? She said, Missions of Hope. Now that I'm at Missions of Hope, I'm in school. I'm learning so much. Math is my favorite subject. I'm eating two meals a day. They provide us health care and we can see the dentist. I gained confidence being in school. I even lead our school music team. I want to be a musician when I grow up. Missions of Hope is like a family to me. I feel that, like I'm loved. I've seen how God is taking me far from the street up to now where I am. It's God. Without God, I won't be here. I'm thankful for Missions of Hope. I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that Sistine's story is one that's told 24,000 times over. And some person somewhere at some time walked up to a board like this in a church, and they took her card, and they said, I'm going to change one life. And uh, you can do that today, and I hope that you will. Uh, now, Sistine has a story of her own, but some things have happened with her family, too, because of the hope you brought to her. Can you give us a little information on that? Yes, so with Sistine being in our school, she gave us an entry point to meet her parents and to start working with her parents. And because they, you, they were like a street family, so we were able to get Sistine's mom uh, to join our microfinance program where we train them on how to do small businesses, and then we give them small loans to be able to start those businesses. And as of today, Sistine's mother has an outside catering business. She's able to provide catering services to different events, and God has really given her 
uh, that kind of uh, an opportunity to use her gift. And uh, they have also become part of a local church because it is transformational ministry, it is holistic ministry. It starts with the child, then it goes to the family and the entire community. That's amazing, just amazing. Lord, we're grateful for what you're doing at Missions of Hope, and we're so grateful for Wallace and Mary for their vision to uh, bring the gospel alive in Kenya, all of Kenya and beyond. And thank you, Lord, that we can be a small part of that as they're one of their supporting churches. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Thank you. I think you can probably tell that I'm, I'm very excited about the inspirational work that that Mary and Wallace do in Kenya, and everything that happened for Sistine, that's really what this morning ultimately is about, because you can change a life like that. And uh, I was thinking this week how they have, I think they said 24,000 students in their schools. I want you to get a perspective on that like this. So all the schools in Grand Island, public and private, Aurora, St. Paul, and Broken Bowl, that's how many students they're educating in that location, those locations. And so that's amazing. That's amazing. And they're remarkable people. And if you've met them, you know this. And, and I will say, too, that it's kind of intimidating for me to be around people like Wallace and Mary because I think, wow, I mean, look at what they are accomplishing. And I would maybe say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just a whatever. I'm just a local preacher. Or you might say, well, I'm just a whatever you would say, I can't do that kind of thing. But look, everyone here can bring hope to someone. That's what this is all about. And, and Wallace and Mary could do nothing without one person stepping up to a board and saying, I'm going to bring hope to another person. That's what, it takes ordinary people who are willing, because we are called to represent Jesus in the world we walk in. We are called to take his love unlimited message to the closest places and to the farthest ones out of reach. Because when the doors are open, we should go through them. And I think that, that we're pretty good at, most of us, about having excuses for not doing so. Like, you know, I might say, well, I don't have the talent to do what they do, and I don't really have some great story to tell about how Jesus is using my life. Or you might even think, well, I'm too raw. I'm just a baby Christian. Let me just dispel that right now. If you're saying, well, I'm just a baby Christian, let me just say it's time to take the diapers off. There's no such thing as a baby Christian. There might be a rookie Christian. I mean, I was a rookie Christian at one time. I remember when I moved to Phoenix, Arizona to serve in my first church. I was a rookie. The people who I was leading in that church in terms of my ministry, many of them were much more advanced than I was in terms of their understanding of the Scripture, in terms of their service to God and what they'd done in the kingdom of God already. So, you know, I just want to say that all of us are to represent Jesus wherever we are and however we are. That's our responsibility. And I want to show you a story that proves that to you. It's from the book of Mark. We've been in Mark, of course, since the first part of the year. And what we want to see here is how Jesus calls the rookies to step up and go and be something. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there. Remember, he's been in Capernaum and on boats and then Decapolis, and now he left Capernaum. He left there, and he went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. These are people who knew him all of his life. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What is this wisdom that, he's, that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? 
Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And look, they took offense at him. And why is that? Because when he left the hometown, he wasn't doing miracles. He wasn't teaching anyone. That started happening after he received the power of the Holy Spirit in his baptisms. In baptism. Jesus said to them, his disciples, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his home, own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So in other words, there was no open door there. And so they moved on. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and symbolically shape the, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Then they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. They went out and represented Jesus. That's what they did. And what does that mean? And, and why are you and I, everyone in this room, in that same reconciling ministry? Why is that? First of all, because we are called to move from come and see to go and be. For a short time, the disciples were just there with Jesus, learning from him, following his moves, trying to figure out what he was all about. It was kind of a do-what-I-do approach, but he quickly sent them out. It didn't take long for him to send them on their own because we can never represent Jesus well if we just cloister ourselves in our churches, in our homes, and we try to isolate ourselves, make a little holy huddle for ourselves, because honestly, what we do here in a church building like this on a Sunday or whatever other days you're here to, to be here, it's just to prepare us to go out there and do what God wants us to do. That's why we exist here. But now, I understand this. The world is a scary place. It's getting scarier by the minute. But I think we make a mistake when we have the idea, I don't want to risk anything. I mean, if that attitude goes too far, we become like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And, and, and what we do is we say, well, it's almost like we live our lives if we, get, if we get off base, where we say, I want to sin less than the people out there so that God will be happy with me. And the, so we don't take any risks. That's not the assignment. The goal in life is to do anything, everything in my power to, to witness for him in the world, not to stay unscathed by the world. And so I would say this too. Christians who decide to hide, they become weird. I mean, they do. Like remember about, you know, over centuries, there were people called monks and they would go and they would find a cave somewhere and they'd hide out and they'd, you know, they'd meditate on the scripture, I guess, and pray a lot which is all good stuff in its own context. But, and you know, people would say, oh, they're the holy, they're, those guys are holy. No, they're just weird. That's weird. It's, it's just weird. It's, it's, it's off the script. What's wrong with that mindset is it's driven by fear and, it, and it's hiding rather than going. That's a problem because there is no impact 
without contact. Some of you are in a work environment, and you're thinking, I like to hide from these people. Like, you know, it, it, it's challenging. You go to work, and, you know, it's, it's a crass place to be, and it's toxic, you believe, and there's filthy talk all the time, and there's all the sexual stuff that comes on the table every day, and there's drinking and drugging, and, and your coworkers, and you this is cesspool where I work. And I know. But you know what? God has you there for a reason. You're, you're like a flicker of light in a dark place. So don't run from that. Embrace it. One of the things we encourage our staff to do here is to be involved in activities outside these walls. Because if we just do church all the time, we become weird. And so, so it's, it's important to, to go out there and be something beyond this place. I, one of my, our staff members told us this week, this week I, was, I was telling about the sermon, telling her about the sermon. She said, oh, that's cool. And then anyway, she was telling me how she was leading a school event for her kid's school, one, a carnival. She was, she was on the planning committee. For, and I said, that's exactly what, the, what we should be doing is, you know, get out of this place and rock the world. That's why we're so committed to investing in Bongi with the school and the church plant. That's why we're planting faith-based schools and, and churches because really, if we don't do it, who's going to? We have a responsibility to embrace the people in the place where God can move, where the doors are open. So look, that's the second thing. Look for open doors Walk away from closed doors. Did you notice that's what Jesus told his disciples and what he showed them? I mean, remember what happened in Nazareth when people were rejecting him? He said, prophet's not welcome in his hometown. Let's go, boys. Let's head down the road. He showed them by example. And then he said, you know what? When you go into these communities and if they reject you, just shake the dust off your feet and go to the next place because there's plenty of open doors. Don't waste your time on the closed ones. I mean, Jesus says we look for open doors. He'll knock down the closed doors. We walk with, through the open doors. Some of us are praying this month for those who are going through Ramadan. And uh, we're specifically praying for the Achi people, who uh, one of our missions partners is trying to reach. And it's a very closed environment for them to reach. It's very closed. It's, a very op- it's, a, it's, it's oppositional to the gospel. So our responsibility of them is to pray. We can pray that God will knock down the doors. And when he does, we need to be willing to go in there too, go and be something there. That's how we represent God. Now, here's another thing. Don't lose sight of the main thing. Why did Jesus send the 12 out of the safety of the camp into the villages? He said, I'm sending you, and I want you to do, what I want you to do is call them to repentance. Now, please understand what it means to call people to repentance, because that's your responsibility too, if you're a Christian. For centuries, we have not been kind to the word. Repentance is associated normally with guilt and shame and being filleted by God. That's not what repentance means. Repentance is not a word of reproach. It's a word of revolution. It's a word that speaks to changing the life of a person, that they make a turn from from the sinful life to a wholesome life. 
That's what repentance is. We take that message to others. We, we take a better option to people who are embroiled in something that's not healthy for them, that's not sustaining for them, that's going to ruin them if they stay on that path. And we say, we're ready to say, here's an option, a better option. That's what it means to go. Jesus empowered his first century, those few disciples to cast out evil spirits, to heal. But the main thing he wanted them to do was to help people's lives get turned. Jesus wanted them to stay with that main thing, even though these other good things were happening. And I think that in our lives, I know in the church, this can be a thing where we can lose sight of the main thing. And so, you know, we do a lot of things as a church, and there's a lot of things that are important to us. You know, there's a lot of things that Christians want to do, like fight poverty and injustice and disease. And, you know, those are good things, and actually Jesus calls us to do those things. But if they are not leading people to a life change, a reversal of life from following Jesus, they're just things. I mean, the bottom line is God wants his enemies won over, not wiped out. And as a Christian, I am told my enemy is a spiritual enemy, but I make a mistake when I confuse my spiritual enemy with a cultural enemy. I'm supposed to fight my spiritual enemies because they'll ruin my soul. I'm supposed to love and pray for my cultural enemies so that they can change too. So we don't want to lose focus. We're supposed to fight for the souls of others with Jesus as the banner of that, but I'm supposed to pray for my enemies. I'm not called to win over them, but to win them over. So when you see the things happening politically in America today, when you see the things happening locally in, in our systems today, our, our government systems, our school systems, remember the ultimate goal that we take into those circumstances. We don't run from them. The challenge is what we do is we take Christ with us so that ultimately change can happen by his power. And you know what the bottom line is? We need to leave the results to God. Because the fact is, we are told to go, and we have this opportunity wherever we go, whether it's your home, your work, you know, your, your, the places where you do life with your kids, and in the context of that, we are to go and be Christ's ambassadors in those places where the doors are open. We'll focus on, on getting the message out if the doors are closed. You know, we, we, pet, we pull back and let God do his thing. But here's the thing. When they went out, did you notice that he said he sent the 12? Did you hear that? He sent the 12. Now, who would be included in the 12? Wouldn't that be all 12? That would mean, that would mean he also sent a guy named Judas. Judas. Now, they went Great things happened. They returned. They told Jesus how, you know, how, how powerful their experiences were. It doesn't say they came back and 11 of them said, hey, it was a great, it was a great missions journey, you know, great things happened. But you know, that Judas, he was no good. That Judas, he was a problem. Judas, he didn't do his part. Judas, he didn't belong. That's not what they said. As a matter of fact, it was Judas they made the CFO of the corporation, he became, he became the treasurer, and yet he was a traitor. So if God can use a Judas for his purposes, what are, what's my excuse? I don't think I'm a traitor, but I can't sit here and say, you know what, I just, 
you know, I just don't have what it takes. Or, you know, some people, like some Christians, they say, well, I'm just going to be a good person. I'm going to go out there, and, and people are going to say, you know, he's a really good guy. She's so active and involved. I mean, I just love her. She's so nice. Oh, that's great. Praise you. That's not what this is about. At some point, you've got to be able to say to others, you know what? God's changed me, and he's in the process of changing me today, and I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect, but something's happening in my life. You know, when someone says to you, how come you never have any great bar stories from the weekend? How come you're not, you know, how come you're not worried about the world? We talk about all this stuff in Ukraine and Russia and, you know, and uh, North Korea, whatever else you're afraid of. Why aren't you out there saying, well, I'm afraid too, and I don't know. Maybe that's just the point where you just say, you know what? I believe in a God who's bigger than all that. You do? What's that all about? And then just tell your story. Tell your story. Not someone else's story. Tell your story. And if they're open, they'll repent, meaning they will listen. And maybe they'll even come and see what gives you hope. And you do that, and just let God do God, and it's amazing the stuff that happens. It's amazing. All of these principles apply to your decision today to support a student in the Mahari Valley of Nairobi. This is a go-and-be opportunity, and we're, we're excited to bring it before you. And it's the door that's open in Kenya for us to be a part of that great work, a work that proclaims life change for a lot of people, beginning with about 140 of them that you see on the boards today, children who just need hope. And we get to be a part of that. It's amazing. And God has been doing great things there, and he will continue to do great things. But that starts for these children today right here with us. Now, before we go through that experience of sponsorship and talking about that further, we're going to commune together. If you brought the emblems of communion, they are represented by a piece of bread and a cup. And uh, I'd like to pray, and then we're going to commune together and then talk to you a little bit more about the call to action that we're issuing today regarding child sponsorship. Lord, uh, this is your work, and we, we, we are invited to be a part of it. When you invited your disciples to go and proclaim the good news, and call people to life change, to repentance, that was the first time that you did that but it wasn't the last. And you've all along throughout the centuries have been relying on people who follow you to take the good news with us wherever we go. So Lord, when we commune today, we're doing so as a community, believing in the mission of taking your love into the world. Take the bread, representing Jesus' body, which was broken for you on that cross 2,000 plus years ago. Take it and eat it in a reminder of the price of love. Then take the cup and drink it all of you as a reminder of what love costs when Jesus shed his blood for his church, his people, and for the world. And we commune, Lord, we take this 
bread, we take this cup in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who gave it all for us. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.